The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to Nick Pollock and Friends, where I talk to people I know and who you should know. Today's a very, okay, very special episode. I've been looking forward to this ever since I started this podcast back in, I guess it was February, March um, it's called Nick Pollock and Friends, and it's not called Nick Pollock in Baseball Friends. It's called Nick <laughs> Pollock in Friends because I know a lot of people. Yes, of course, inside the industry, I'm so lucky for that. But I also have so many people I know in my personal life that are incredibly interesting, have amazing stories to tell that I feel just need the, the space to talk about themselves more because I want to. I want to know more about them. I want you guys all to hear their their tales and journeys. So today is my very dear friend. Lauren Bach. Lauren, thank you for taking the time to be here today. Oh my God, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I've known Lauren for, what, a decade and change? Yeah. Something like that? Since I first moved to New York That's 10 years right. ago. That's right. It was like Thanksgiving or something. I don't oh know. Oh my God. It, yes. I actually think it was when my college roommate uh, was back in town for Thanksgiving and he brought me to like a party or something that you and everyone he was friends with from home was having, and that's how we met. And there we go. Ten years now, uh, Lauren is one of my closest friends, and I I wanted to bring on Lauren because it's just a different uh, different perspective than a lot of us. A lot it, the things that she has done, you have done, have been amazing. And I wanted to really go into that instead of the you know the typical person that comes on here is involved in baseball and they have another world on top of it. But your world is is very different. And I wanted to go into that today. So before we begin, Lauren. Tell everybody your resume, everything where they can find you, the okay. things that you do. All right. My my resume, like everything I've done in the past, sure. or my resume, Every, like everything what that I do makes now. you you. Oh, good lord. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I let's see. So I um, I have a master's of public health. I started my career working in women's health and reproductive rights advocacy. Uh, after that, I moved into voting rights advocacy for uh, another couple of years. And then during the pandemic, I I wasn't happy where I was working at the time. And I was looking for other jobs and just sort of realized that uh, I was burned out. And working in politics, and even though I was advocating for causes I, I loved, had just really worn me down. I, I lost faith in my ability to make change. And I decided I needed to take my life in a new direction and work for myself. Uh, so originally, I thought I was going to be just doing consulting in the same kind of fields I'd been in. But then I started designing my engagement ring with my partner and realized I fell in love with the process. I'd always had creative hobbies and love design. And I 
realized that I could maybe find ways to make beautiful engagement rings for people that were more affordable than what was on the market and kind of didn't come with all of the industry markups and kind of disinformation that is really common in the bridal industry, all the pressure that comes with buying an engagement ring. And I um, started taking design classes and jewelry making classes. And then I founded a company. There you go. And that company's name is? Hera and Gaia. And where can you find all of that online? Oh, yes. Okay. So we have an Instagram at shophera-gaia. I also have a TikTok at Shop Haradash Gaia. Um, the Instagram is more of like, I would say, the portfolio of all of the rings. And on TikTok, what I do is kind of demystify the engagement ring and jewelry making process. So help people figure out how to get a strong ring, um, get good advice from a jeweler who you know doesn't want anything from right. you, basically. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. And that process, of course, I have not gone through it personally. And we're going to talk a lot about Hera and Gaia because, I, I mean, if anyone has listened to this podcast before, I love understanding the process of creating a business and where yeah. it just doesn't just pop out of nowhere. You don't have one idea and all of a sudden the thing exists. That idea itself comes from all of this history and everything that gets you to that moment saying, oh, you know what? I have this idea and I know I can execute it and yeah. do that. So we're going to talk about all of that today. Oh, wait. And Nick, I, yes. forgot, I forgot my actual website. Oh, yeah. That's an important thing. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. What is that website? It's an important place to find my jewelry. It's where you can buy everything. <laughs> um, it's Hera-Gaia.com. And by the way, Hera and Gaia is spelled H-E-R-A. G-A-I-A. They're the Greek goddesses of marriage and of the earth because sustainability is a big part of the business, which I'm sure we'll talk more about. I mean, you just wanted to be both of them at the same time, let's be honest. Obviously. Yeah, of course. Who doesn't want to be a Greek goddess? That's all the names I give myself and create my companies. I want to be a pitcher and a list at the same time. (laughs) So when I look at actually your resume, you forgot one very important thing. Uh Uh-huh. You are a giant Star Wars nerd. Oh, yes. Yeah. And of course. I, I mean, I think the photo that really made me understand you as a person was you and your Yoda. <laughs> I think is it a Moomoo? Is it a Snuggie? Um, I guess technically it's a Moomoo because it's a Snuggie that's sewn up in the back. Well, it wasn't originally. A <laughs> Wait, you, you sewed it no, up? No, 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 no. But basically, I didn't. It, okay, first of all, this was actually homemade. This isn't something that I purchased. Okay. Oh wow, uh, I didn't I know think that. Is okay. Important. Very important. That, yes. yeah, that's another level. That's not just like I saw it at a Walmart. And I'm like, oh, that would be great for Lauren. It's like, no, we will go out of our way to make sure Lauren has this. Yeah. So it's it was basically maybe it is like a muumu, but it has sleeves, mm-hmm. uh, fleece sleeves, and like a weird kind of turtleneck, and then it's just like a sack with it's, a huge Yoda. You have a Yoda on sack. the front of it. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, a distinct memory I have is going to see The Last Jedi with you. Oh, yeah. And, you know, of course, the credits came. My head was in my hands because I was just so disappointed. And I tried to be like, Lauren, you understand how bad this was. And you're like, I need to, I need time to, <laughs> to really internalize what I just saw, Nick. But, I mean, like, I, I will say that, like, growing up as a... Like and being a big Star Wars fan, and you know, you have to go to the extended universe to really get like female Jedi's, sure, and that kind of like badass female character who's mm-hmm. really like the center of the story and everything revolves around her. Like even you know, Princess Leia. I, I don't think you could really make the argument that she's the central protagonist of yeah, absolutely, of any yeah. of the original trilogy. And so that was really exciting for me. Yeah, uh, that absolutely. And, and I just feel so bad that they they butchered it. And by the way, I don't think you know this. Um, uh, Chris Towers is someone inside of the, the baseball industry, CBS, become friends with him. He's fantastic. He loves The Last Jedi. 
And we are going to have a live stream, I believe sometime in December. Where you fight about where it? Where we fight about The Last Jedi. Okay. I need to rewatch this movie and hopefully you can help me. I would be down to rewatch okay, it good, with you. Okay, good, good. I, I got to take notes. Talk. I got to do the whole thing. And this time we can talk through it. Yes, we can. Oh, that's you know, right. We, we didn't do it. <laughs> oh, man. I, I have I have personally actually ranted for over 45 minutes on my own to someone about all of the flaws when it was fresh in my head. And I can't wait for that. Uh, maybe we'll have a, a moderator or two. I don't know. We'll figure out how that's going to happen. It's going to be live. It's going to be in this room we're recording right now. Nice. Uh, I can't wait for that. And I hope that you uh, yeah, you work through the argument with me, of course, um, as as I hope to take down towers once and for all. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a third. Okay, I'm sorry. This is unjust. He does, he's not here to defend himself. That's fine. But uh, but I really do want to talk about, you know, you're here in quarantine and you, you know, I talk about this a lot on this podcast, like creating a business from nothing. Uh, and you, you hinted at it saying like, hey, you went through this process yourself and you didn't really find any options. Is, is that really what drove you to to create Hera and Gaia? Uh, I think what drove. OK, so hmm. I've actually never thought about that before, because to be to be totally honest with you. Always, please. I what, what essentially happened is that over the summer. So I quit my job in June. Best feeling I've ever had. <laughs> sure, uh, yeah. I didn't have anything else lined up full time, but I had uh, a good friend who I'd worked with before who needed some help. So I kind of went to work for her part time, helping train scientists and doctors to work with county administrative officials like during the and also state legislators for the 2020 election to make sure that they could have safe elections during the pandemic. Right. Uh, so I was helping to recruit like physicians and public health professionals to sort of help envision what a safe election looks like during a pandemic and then help execute that in their local communities. So I had a little bit of a landing pad. And during that time, I started taking a class on making engagement rings. So there's. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's a computer program called Rhino. I'm sure that some of your, the listeners might know it, not from engagement rings, but you you can build airplanes and, you know, all fences, like all sorts of stuff. Right. It's Rhino. like a 3D it's, design yeah, software. Yeah, exactly. So I started taking a class specifically to use that for jewelry. And then I sort of just kind of went through every logical next step after that without ever really intend, having a, a clear intention in place. And then all of a sudden it was March and I was launching a business. There you go. Like I just kind there of didn't <laughs> stop doing stuff. Right, right. <laughs> if you just kind of don't think about it too hard and just don't stop doing stuff. I don't know. Like it just it worked out you, for me. You heard it here. Don't <laughs> stop doing stuff. I think that's like from birth to the end. That is what we're trying to do. But no, I, I think you do have a, a um, I think what you're hinting at is something I love talking about, which is the flow. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't know the flow, it's uh, a state of consciousness that I think everyone understands. It's like hyper focus. Yeah. It's where you're not, you know, your time flies because you're having fun. You're in the moment. Yeah. And it's a state of confidence. It's a state of, mm-hmm. uh, of concentration. Um, and when you get really into something, you know, I've wasted so many hours on random games or watching videos or whatever. And it's just the state of, you know, uninterruption where you're like, hey, I'm into this thing and I want to keep consuming yeah. it. And uh, that's the state of flow. And I talk about it in like baseball analytics, but uh, it's like a pseudo analytic. But but right. I mean, you were that way and you essentially <laughs> just blinked and you had this company. Yeah. Do you remember? I mean, so here you are, you're designing rings. Yeah. And it's not just any ring. Right. I mean, I think you've mentioned this to me before a lot about the kind of ring that you make is mm-hmm. not just like a diamond ring. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So one of the reasons that I felt really motivated to create Hera and Gaia was when I was shopping for engagement rings, 
I mean, diamonds are such a racket. Mines diamonds, like the industry is terrible. There's a lot of like artificial shortages, cartel pricing. Like it's diamonds are not rare and they're very destructive to get out of the earth. And yet to get the kind of diamond that everyone sort of in their heart of hearts wants is like $20,000 if you get a mined diamond. It's outrageous. I mean, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's half of a down payment on a house. Right. And I, I know a lot of people who, even if they could spend that money, just don't want to spend their money that way. And there's so much, so many decades or centuries of marketing behind diamonds that really make people feel like that's the only choice they can make or their relationship isn't valid or the ring isn't good enough. And it puts couples under enormous financial and societal pressure for absolutely no reason at all. So I discovered lab created diamonds, which is what I have in my engagement ring. And also moissanite, which is another stone that if I had known sooner would probably be what I had gotten in my engagement <laughs> ring instead of a lab diamond. And my fiance knows this and he's cool with it. So I can say that. I mean, he's cool with a lot of things. He's he just is. generally very cool. Yeah, he's a he's I, a very I, uh, relaxed. I'm guy. trying to think of the things that Adam isn't cool with. And it's, I don't know, a couple things, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, like genocide. Yeah, I mean, like the obvious. Racism, sure, there's like the humanity misogyny. things he's not cool <laughs> with. Fine. But, you know, like I'm not cool with The Last Jedi, you know? Yeah, Adam Adam has a very big heart. He's a very sweet guy. He absolutely is. But yeah, so you, have, uh, so you don't have a moissanite and you wish you did. Yeah, mo- so moissanite's basically space diamond. It huh. is originally found in meteors and some Nobel Prize winning chemist in the early 20th century Uh, found a cracked open meteor or something and saw this beautiful crystal in it. And his name was Henri Moisson. I I don't speak French, don't know how to pronounce it, but uh, the stone is named after him, moissanite. And because obviously it's not really feasible to like harvest moissanite from meteors on a regular basis. I mean, I would watch that movie, but that's okay. Actually, that would be a really cool extended universe. Yeah. Like planet i mean like a like an extraction colony not to mention are you advertising these rings as space dust rings mm, space diamond I, i'm not but i probably should yeah, there's be. a see this is where you know <laughs> the benefit of coming on nick pollock and friends everybody <laughs> you'll get some great advertising ideas no but, uh, uh, but yeah so this is pretty cool so moissanite i believe is like way cheaper than diamonds way are. cheaper uh but it's just as durable it's harder than ruby or sapphire it looks a lot like diamond there are some differences in the optical properties but to be 100% honest with you unless you stare at diamonds all day the average person really can't tell much of a difference right. if any difference at all especially if it's cut well and it's the size most people have so like let's say like under three carats mm-hmm. uh, I mean, this is funny to me because here's the here's a man that does not have a fiance. <laughs> is not, you know, you're not getting engaged. This is all like, you know, I remember when you approached me with this, it was like moist and I, I struggled. It took me a good couple months to nail it down that I could say it every single time. I remember the I the type of ring and everything, but it's good. It, it's like, it's it's shocking to me. I, I still remember this. Like, wait, there's an, an alternative to it. And it's really cool that you said, oh yeah, this is an alternative. It's way cheaper. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you do not need to be a victim of prying of like you are, your love is insufficient because you are not spending yeah. thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to businesses that are prying on that, right? Yeah. And uh, it, it's pretty, I think it's pretty cool. And it's why I was like, oh, yeah, you should definitely come on and talk about <laughs> this. You. Because this is, it's to me, it's a business that is yeah in the right place and doing the right thing. I think that's just a yeah. really cool thing. And I discovered, I think, t- you know, to your point that like there, that there are so few 
options out there for people who aren't interested in spending a lot of money, right? Uh, and still want like something beautiful and high quality and and durable. Uh, when I started kind of doing some market research, and you know, I was really inspired by the idea of working with Moissanite specifically to try to bring a luxury shopping experience, getting good customer service, like you're getting that kind of luxurious experience that you get when you're spending ten to twenty thousand dollars on an engagement ring, um, but at a much lower price point because. I think $2,000 is still a decent amount of money. And, oh, yeah. and that's, you know, most of my rings are around $1,500 to $2,000. And if you're spending that kind of money, you should still have all of those things. Right, right. You absolutely. Know. And you don't have to spend $10,000 to get yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Like that, you know, $2,000 to me is not bargain basement jewelry. Like it should still come with like good warranties, like, a, you know, a person you trust uh, kind of on the other side of the interaction, working with you and guiding you through it, helping you make choices. And it should still last you forever. You know, engagement ring is a heirloom kind of piece of jewelry. Like you want to know that that's not just going to look nice for a couple of years, but it's something that you can have forever and pass on to your children if you want to, or your uncles. Not exactly. Uncles. Wait, right. No. Uncle. <laughs> oh, no. I swore. Uh, I will. I will censor that. I'm not going to edit it out. I just want you to know, like that's that's Lauren in a nutshell. <laughs> One of the sweetest people I know, and is so like the look on her face right now is she's just in terror of like Nick. I cannot believe I did this on your podcast as if this is live. He specifically told me I couldn't swear, and you're like you you gave a look of concern. Uh, so yeah, I will edit that out. Apologies all around. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to figure out what the uh, what the censored word should be. I don't know. I'll probably do something in post, and that'll be hilarious. But anyway, right? You want something you can pass down to yeah, other people? Yeah, um, and, and, and yeah. something that's really high quality. And um, you know, a lot of jewelers you know, don't even work with moissanite and just kind of say, "Oh, it's a cheap stone." You know, it's not. It's not worth dealing with. And I honestly think it, part of that is just because the you can't make as much money off of it. And I mean, I don't want to I don't want to bash other jewelers because I think there are lots of legitimate reasons for not working with new stones that like you don't understand particularly well right. or you haven't had you know great experiences working with because you don't understand it particularly well. Uh, but I, I just felt really strongly that there was a really big gap in the market for lower cost product that didn't feel like a low cost. Product. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, there's something to be said, you know, f- philosophically, like the value of a diamond versus moissanite. You know, we we are uh, so trained to understand how valuable a diamond is. But with everything, with the currency we have it only has worth based on the value that people put to it. Yeah. Um, and inherently, the difference between the two, so minimal um, and I would imagine that, you know, a lot of people listening, their partner is incredibly reasonable and smart about this stuff and doesn't actually want the 8,000 different spend on a diamond versus this, where the actual inherent properties of moissanite are amazing and still a very, very valuable thing. Um, and I, well, I suggest everybody that is actually in this, go to, go to Herangaya. Um, you can just Google it pretty easily to find as well if you can't remember the exact domain. Um, but Lauren, you have a whole chat set up. Mention mm-hmm. that you've listened to this podcast. Say hi. Introduce yourself. I guarantee you, 
Lauren will be ecstatic and work through any questions you have about it, any anything at all. Yeah, I've got a chat feature. I also have like a contact page if you know you would prefer just to receive an email back from me. Um, and for everyone who's listening who does need a ring right now, um, I can offer you a little bit of a discount if you talk to me. Hey, there so, we go. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> there it is. So like, yeah, the one or two listeners that are no, no, absolutely go to Heron Guy. <laughs> it, it's an awesome thing, and I and I do want to shift from the the actual product itself really to you creating it. Yeah. I think that's an, uh, that's a really awesome thing and I love hearing the perspective of someone inside of it, all the the hurdles you had, the things that worked, all that kind of stuff. So uh, try to remember. I know you're like I don't know it was that one day it just kind of happened, but I okay, work through, you know what I'm doing this and what the first thing was you did yeah. once you established that. So the first thing I did was I, I think at the same time that I was taking jewelry classes and sort of learning how to construct rings, I was also doing a ton of market research. So I was spending a lot of time on uh, forums where people were searching for either diamonds or moissanite or engagement rings, um, Reddit, PriceScope, Wedding B, Wedding Wire, you know, places where... Of course, all these places I definitely know. Yeah, I know, know I know Reddit. Reddit right? <laughs> It took you a long time <laughs> to understand Reddit. Well, there's just so much I know. garbage yep. on Reddit. There, yes, there absolutely is. But what, okay, what were the other three? You said Price Scope. Price Scope is. I I think that it's only for gemstones and diamonds. Understood. And, why yeah. I don't know this. Okay, and then wedding wedding B and wedding wire are the same way. Were no. they're two different? You know what? Actually, wedding wire. I. Don't know if they do engagement rings. They may only do like bridal stuff, but uh, I know Wedding B does a lot of engagement. This rings explains stuff. a lot. Okay, so I'm, I'm I'm assuming now it's Wedding W I R E and then Wedding B E E. Is yes. that correct? See, I thought you said Wedding B the letter and then Wedding Y the letter. No, Wedding and like, Wire. <laughs> this yeah. is hilarious that there are two competing sites that just chose oh, two wedding ran- and wedding random wedding. letters at the end of them. Um, so what? Okay, so what? That's what are how, those two things like? How are they different from each other? Wedding B. Let's we'll start with yeah. that one. Uh, wedding B is a forum for all things engagement and wedding planning. Okay, um, it is predominantly straight women who are in the throes of planning either their, their understood they're like the, you know, the busy bee of a wedding planning yeah, I understand yeah. and you have a lot of questions that makes a lot of sense to have that re- uh, resource online and then yeah. wedding wire is different Wed- how wedding wire is not as much at least the way that I used it wasn't as much about um, the forums where people are actually kind of talking to each other like I'm considering getting this kind of engagement ring do you have one what are the pros what are the cons did you like working with this jeweler I had a bad experience with this jeweler and here's what it was like like that's such valuable information yeah, when you're starting a company oh my god um, wedding wire is more of a service-based site where you can find a wedding planner find a venue oh I see so that's a commerce sort of, of trying to find an expert and they'll link you up with yeah them. so exactly. how did you use that uh, I just do a lot of poking around to try to get a sense of what are people looking for in their kind of experience in this realm and as a as a bride, right. let's say. Like, and I don't only work with straight couples and straight women, but like for that demographic, which is, you know, a huge part of the bridal industry, uh, what what do they want that experience to look like? What does the ideal ring look like for the average uh, American woman sure. you know, who's in their twenties or early thirties, which is 
you know, most of the people I've worked with. And it's changed, too. I mean, our perception of what that is has yeah. been curated to us for the past 20 years. And, you know, the market or the, the audience is way mm-hmm. different than it was back then. Absolutely. And I think that more and more people are interested in alternatives. And I, I don't think this is just true about the bridal industry, or about engagement rings. I think... There's more trust being given out to to new startups, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a there's a sense of value placed on having a personal relationship mm. with the person you're working with in a in a small business, and I think trust is incredibly important with anything in in the wedding bridal sphere, and it's also very important with all fine jewelry. You know, you and that was a big part of starting my business and what I was trying to kind of gear the site towards and my interactions with clients is how do I build trust? How do I help people understand my expertise, understand uh, why they can trust me to make an engagement ring for them or for their partner that's going to last them and look really beautiful. And they know that, you know, I'm not just trying to make an easy sale. Yeah, right. Uh, so I love this because, OK, what's the first step that you have is not actually incorporating, not doing a design, not doing a name. no. Number one step, market research. That's what you have to do. Understand like, hey, if I'm going to do this thing under grasp, if there is a place for this and this is going to work. I know I actually did this. I do this all the time. I I call it being the wolf in sheep's clothing where I go in and and look at other websites and everything and say, okay, we want to add this new product or do something like Mm -hmm. that. I need to see what the other ones are doing so I can think to myself like, oh, yeah, they would want to come to ours instead of that one. All the time, you know, um, I, I put out articles and I say, is this, does this article exist already? You know, that there are a lot of times we just put out something like, oh, yeah, here's my thoughts on it. But if that thing already exists and there's nothing new that you're adding to it, then think of yourself as a consumer mm-hmm. and being like, why would I if I'm going to make this thing put out to the world, why would I choose your thing? Yeah. And, you know, the answer isn't, oh, because I'm great. That's not that can never be the answer. It has to be. No, there's this clear thing that does it. Sure. Eventually it can be. No, I'm great. And they're going to flock to it because the brand is there. But there is no brand initially. Mm -hmm. And you have to be something that is interesting and new and uh, and does it differently in some way that is convincing. So market research, number one. Absolutely. I think if I had found during that research that, for instance, people shopping for engagement rings don't really have any pain points around things like price and quality. Right. You know, people are generally happy with what they can get for Mm -hmm. for their money. Uh, Or if there were 10 or 15 other online stores that I found who were offering the kind of quality and brand experience that I wanted to offer at the same price point. But I didn't find those things. And at the same time, I was pursuing... Because I also, before I started the business, wanted to know, do I enjoy this? So that's why I was pursuing yeah, that's, that's the That's a very important part. thing, right? I mean, sure, yeah, we think of a business and like, oh, yeah, we want to make money. That's great. But a lot of people tell you if they're making money and just, uh, it's just, uh, it, it's a grueling process, yeah. you know? I mean, obviously, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're having, you have a job and you're doing what you need to do and that's that's one thing, that's fine. But if you're, I feel like if you're starting a business from scratch, it truly needs to be something in some way that you have a passion for. Oh, absolutely. I think it's it's so important because that shows through. Not only does it make your life a lot better because you're not miserable at work, but 
people who you're working with, like your clients can tell. Yeah, it needs to be genuine. Yeah, if yeah. you if you're really excited about what you're doing, you bring that energy to every interaction that you have. Can't agree more. And people want to work with people who are happy and excited about what they're doing. And I think especially, you know, in the field that I'm in, people are already so excited to be getting engaged. Right. And they want like a hype woman. You yeah, know, they oh, want someone who's like, it's- heck yes. See, I just said heck. <laughs> Heck Look yes. at you. Oh, man, I love that. I say it all the time. I start out the E. Um, but no, no, this is this isn't everything. Anyone that's in sales knows this. Yeah. I, I remember working at Guitar Center for 11 months. Hey, that's what I did right out of college. <laughs> and I had to bring that energy because they're coming in. They're like, oh, I want to get a guitar. Yeah. And if I'm not excited about it for them, you know, if I don't have the knowledge of it and show like, no, I love this is really yeah. great. It, it resonates. You know, mm-hmm. you're always selling. You're always, always, always selling. And selling comes from a place of genuine knowledge and enthusiasm. If you don't have that, either of those two things, you can have the enthusiasm, but if you don't know the thing, then they will know that. Uh, You have to be genuine 100%. And you clearly are. (laughs) Yeah. You're one of the most genuine people I know, actually, Lauren. Thank you. Seriously, I can't can't even think of you lying once. (laughs) I'm such a bad liar. Yeah. I am such a bad liar. Uh, I, I completely, completely agree with you. It's something that's like hard to fake. But I think is really valuable when you have it. And people people want to work with people who are excited. And the the thing that I, I think someone told me that was the best advice I ever got that's sort of similar to that is like you be easy to work with. Oh yeah. You have to be easy to work oh with. Oh my god. That and enthusiasm is absolutely part of that with your clients. Like you want them to be excited to talk to you. Right. Right. You know, and that's what can yeah, separate you. Ring. This yeah. is so exciting. They can't yeah. wait to see it. How's it coming along? Yeah. Right. They want you to be matching their energy, but I also follow that philosophy with everybody else that I work with, mm. with the person who ships my rings, with the person who sets my stones, with the person who casts my settings. Like people will maintain good relationships with you if you're easy to work with. And right. if that sometimes means being like, okay, it's not ready today. I need to wait till next week. No problem. So I want to get into all of those things, by the way, because that's, that, that's another area that's like a black box of I don't know how this happens, but you go like, okay, I want to make a wedding ring. You press a button and then all of a sudden it's out and shipped, right? <laughs> and there's a whole process inside that box. Um, but let's, let's go back to the early steps here. You said one market research. You did that. Yes. Right. And then you said, okay, I, I think that there is a, a market for this and it'll be fine. I, so, so where do you, where do you go from there? So from there, I kind of developed a, a business plan of, oh, so you really like wrote it out. No, in my head. <laughs> okay, good. Heck right. no. Yeah, I didn't that's what I do. It. Okay, fine. Um, I I just started to think about you know. Well, I started to do research then into how to how to make a business plan, how to how to build a business. What right. what is? I, I didn't know what I was doing was market research at the time. Sure. You know, I, I it was just genuine curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. And and after I was sort of determined to start the business, so I decided it was a good idea. Uh, then I kind of put together in my head a plan of here's here's what I need because I, I knew it was going to be an e-commerce business because opening up a brick and mortar store in New York City. Oh, my God. Don't do that. Not, it, to, not it, to mention it, it closes your audience. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, it's it almost expands your audience when you're more local because you have things like a lot of foot traffic. I mean, that's. It's a smaller smaller cap. Like the ceiling is lower. There is an initial um, ease to it. But when it comes to something like this, I imagine, especially how you are going to go about marketing and everything, needs to be online. Yeah. I I just didn't have any interest in investing 
the money and knowledge base I would have to get right. to open up a retail store. There's so much more involved in that that I don't know how to do. Sure. Uh, that I, I just, I didn't, I wanted this Stick to be something that- Stick with the things you know, that, yeah. right? And I wanted this to be something where, you know, it was the first time I'd ever done something like start a business. I'd worked in nonprofits my whole life. So I wanted to be able to say to myself, okay, I'm investing- X amount of my savings. And like, if this doesn't seem to be going anywhere, I can pull out and I won't be financially devastated for the rest of my life. Right. And if I had opened up a retail store, I think I would have been a bit nervous that I was veering more towards towards that. Uh, So I just determined, you know, what I was going to need to start the business in terms of like, okay, so I need an online store. I didn't know what Shopify was. I actually contacted a friend of mine from college who I knew was a full stack developer and and worked in tech and asked her like, okay, so do I need to build a website? Like, how do I do this? And she told me to just use Shopify. She said that she has clients who use Shopify, you know, with hundreds of thousands of dollars of sales per year. And that building a from scratch website was just not really what people who are starting small businesses do. And it's not, it's not what you need. Uh, Absolutely not. not. Shopify is actually something that uh, I've worked with for a long time. Like our merch is all through Shopify. However, we wanted, you know, we had a website and that's, you know, we have pictureless.com. What do you know? Go to it. But I, so we wanted it on our site innately. And uh, what we're actually doing right now, it might be live by the time this comes out. I don't know, maybe another week or two. But I uh, we're then creating a subdomain that is a new Shopify site mm-hmm. to actually like utilize the themes that they have because it's it's really easy. I mean, yeah, there is some extra customization you can do if you know HTML, CSS. You can yeah. really mess around with it, or you can pay someone else to mess around with it that. for you. They exactly. have a whole experts uh, kind of like part you- of the app where you can solicit. Like they have a whole you know basically like some kind of database of developers and companies. They're based in the U.S. and abroad. Uh, who can do work on your Shopify site for you if you want to customize it. I mean, it's brilliant that they have. It's like, hey, yeah, let's do this. And then we don't even need to hire them, says Shopify. We're now going to be a middleman, not only for like that, but also of development, which makes, yeah, oh my, so much money goes to Shopify. But this is, this is the world we live in and props to them. Um, I know it's WooCommerce is the other one, but Shopify, I think is the better one. Um, that I have experienced. I have not used WooCommerce, so I don't know much about it, but I think Shopify has more features. Right. And it's just easy. It's just oh, it's so easy. It has also templates. I be- I don't know if this is true, but I'm not sure on WooCommerce if you actually have to build oh, interesting. the site out yourself. I'm not sure it about might that. Be, that might be something innate with the WordPress as well. I don't know. I'm not the expert on I am more so, and so are you, obviously, with, with Shopify. Oh, and yes. you And so you built this, and you... Well, you you got a theme you liked, and then you hired one of these experts. Yeah, I got a theme I liked, and uh, a huge fan of Shopify, just in general. Got a theme I really liked, and there were certain pages and components of the theme that were fabulous and exactly what I wanted. The product pages did not work at all for what I was trying to do. Trying to get pictures of engagement rings that actually you can see it on a site. Like right. It's just kind of a very specific layout I needed for the specific product. And so I had the product pages completely redone. And I think in total, setting up the website with purchasing the theme and all of the customization that I did. And I did a lot of customization with something like $500. Unreal. Yes, seriously. It's a great That's idea. It? Yes. And I oh my God. I bought one of the fancy themes. Right. So it was like $50 for that. No, the 150 150 
I'm classy and I spent there a lot it is of money. yeah Herangaya <laughs> the classiest uh, hundred fifty dollars for the uh, for the initial website and I will by the way you are remind me I do want to ask about those things if you're comfortable with it of course of oh like, the money yeah yeah just like what the you know we talk about those things but there is investment of course that goes into it so that was then three hundred fifty for the developer then on top of that yeah and that was in phases because I I had a big initial customization I asked. The developer to do, but then as I was building out the site, I would find little nits that I just hmm. didn't think were perfect. Well, I remember at this point, by the way, I had not been aware of Herangaya well, for, for a while. Yeah. No, it's okay. I'm not insulted. Don't worry. <laughs> um, I think that's really cool because as you're saying, you didn't really know internalize it for, yeah. for a while and you were doing this, but it wasn't really like the forefront of what was going on. And I also, for me, to be totally honest, it was sort of like when I got my tattoo, I didn't necessarily want other people's opinions right. until I had kind of decided for sure that I wanted to do it and that I had made up my mind about what I wanted it to look like, what my, kind of my mission was. Uh, oh, I was so I was so thrilled. I remember this. We were I uh, oh I want to say it's almost a year ago uh, yeah. to the day uh, because I remember being in your backyard uh, in uh, in Williamsburg. Um, but and as you talked about it, I was just my my eyes widened. <laughs> I was like, "Are you serious? You're starting a business? This is so great! This is so cool!" And um, I remember you know when you had the site, I uh, saying, "Okay, I know a lot of these things are not going to be possible whatsoever." But here is some random list of like my feedback oh, about the li- about and, the website, and it was really helpful. And that's a that's a really important thing, I think, just in general when you're starting a business, whether you know the field or not. Take feedback to heart. Feedback mm. is a gift. It if, really is. If a client or a friend of yours gives you constructive feedback, even if you don't want to hear it, like it's very very valuable. And part of your job as a business owner, of course, as the leader of the company, is to decide what's worth listening to and what maybe that person doesn't have enough information to be determining whether or not their opinion is even correct, you know, but it is really, really important to not be so precious about what you've created. And that's hard when you, especially you found your own company, you create your own Oh my God. You take it so personally with a lot. It's it's (laughs) really hard to separate that. But you will, your business will be so much better for it. And my site was much better for listening to Nick who had been doing this. I was wrong about a couple of things. I'm sure. But uh, (laughs) I don't remember. Honestly, there's, there's two things I do want to want to say about that. Um, one is, um, if you are giving feedback, there's a good way of doing it and a bad way of doing it. And you know, it's, um, I've, I've certainly given feedback in the past that has been, I get, I don't want to say negligent, but just more, I, I I guess coming from a place of being naive, I'm like, oh, well, obviously you need that thing. But without considering the other second half is that when you running this, every decision you make is a, is a uh, process of of my time and money is resources, not both. It's 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 sorry, it's not separate. It's not just one of those. It's my time is inherently money, and then of course the money mm-hmm. that I have spending on things, and then understanding, okay, I have a current schedule of what that is now there's feedback and now if that is important what then is getting axed and it's a constant constant back and forth i do this 20 million times like oh i should be doing this i should be doing that but then what doesn't happen because i'm I'm doing that instead right so understand that as you're giving feedback that if yes this is a good thing and we can be on the same page about it and then as you're receiving it it's that process now the other side of it is if you're receiving, if you don't have a good reason not to do something, if you truly, like, as you receive it, you can't explain to the person why you're not doing it, really internalize that. That's, like, how decisions should be made is, yeah. like, okay, this is the reason I'm not doing it. And if you don't 
you don't agree with their stance, you don't agree with their stance and that's fine. But if you don't have like a good reason to say like, oh no, I'm not going to do that because, um, because I, huh. And that, that should, you should really (laughs) internalize that conversation. Yeah. And just try your best not to be defensive. And cause I do feel like. It's so easy to be defensive. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Like we're all human, but even if you're just thinking about how you come across, you, you're much more confident and secure and in control of your business as a person. If you can be like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. I don't have a good reason not to be doing that. Find your words. Yeah. Find, find, seriously, if you are ever doing this, find the words that you do in response. Is it interesting? Oh, that's an, uh, oh, that's an idea. That's a good idea. You know, that's a, that's a cool idea. I'll look into that. Find what that is set off because there are times you don't want to say it and you just got to find like the, like the good, uh, mediator, like conversation. Oh, yeah. That's just like, oh yeah, cool. I'll, I'll look into that. You know, find the phrases. Oh yeah. Trust me on that. Oh my God. Because <laughs> I don't know to. if you, I mean, I'm sure this happens to you too. There is, if there's one thing about owning a small business, everyone, it's actually similar to the tattoo thing. Everybody's got an opinion. Oh, about of it. course. And everyone thinks that they know what you should and shouldn't People be People have been saying, you need a picture list app for like five years. I'm like, I know it takes so much to do that. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's not, it's not <laughs> the same thing I think is like rejecting feedback because you want to believe your site is perfect or something like that. Right. But you also just do need to get used to the fact that like people are going to have a lot of ideas. Some of them are good and you should listen to, but some of them as the leader of the company or the organization, you know, it's also on you to say this doesn't make sense right now, or it's not a good idea for my audience, or it is a good idea, but it's going to cost $10,000. And I think that that $10,000 is better invested in this part of the business that you don't see. Right. Exactly. So it's, uh, it's, it's so important that obviously you can't explain the entire business when you're receiving this feedback. Yeah. Then yeah, just have your phrase like, oh, that's a really interesting idea. I'll look into that. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. very compl- There are a lot of things that go into that. And uh, yeah, maybe that is what we go with. I really do appreciate that you're taking the time to do that. You know, it's yeah. so, so important. And really, as you mentioned before, though, feedback is amazing. Do never, never turn away feedback. I constantly have sent you things and mm-hmm. uh, and you, you sent me, of course, the the, the, uh, the early Shopify. So uh, let's go past this now. So you have a Shopify site. Cool. Yeah. You got that down. Yeah. Now you need something to sell on it. Yes. Right. So so how does this process work? So the way that I make the engagement rings I make them all, I uh, make a CAD file, so computer-assisted design. Okay. And the file is, you know, the exact size and shape and everything of the ring. Uh, what happens then is I send that file to my caster. and So how do you find your caster? My caster, so I needed someone who only works in recycled gold because I only sell recycled metals. And... I got set up with him through actually my my teacher who was teaching me how to make the engagement rings in Rhino. That's that was her caster for a very. And long. then how to, so 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 teaching with Rhino? You found this online, just some course. Yeah, I just googled it. Just googled the course, and you were lucky to find this uh, yeah, wonderful teacher. I she was she was great. Um, I if I could have afforded it, I would have taken a more comprehensive class. Mm-hmm. But at that time. I wasn't sure that this was going to amount to anything in my professional You're just life. like, this is a fun thing to do yeah, on a like, Tuesday or let's whatever. See, yeah. Let's see if I like it at the same time as I'm doing market research. And so I wasn't ready to invest, you know, $7,000 in a class that met, you know, eight to five every weekday or something like that. Right. Uh, GIA offers one of those that I was really interested in, but it was like a $7,000 investment. It was one of those decisions like this isn't the right place to put $7,000 for me right now. So I 
have developed those skills a lot, honestly, just on my own too. Nice. I got a great foundation from the class, but a lot of it is just trial and error and spending a lot of time sitting on my couch, you know, just messing around with it when I don't have anything else to do. All right. So to work this back. So you found this course, you found this wonderful caster. Yes, I found the caster. And then now that you've started the business, now you have a deal with them for the casting. It's I, I pay them by the piece, so we don't really have a, a deal. Well, that's deal, a deal, but, though. That's a, yeah. a commission, and that that's something that is a lot of what you do, which yeah. is very smart and easy to do these days. To say, look, I'm not going to just put up for like a brick and mortar store, a hundred thousand or something, and hope that I make it back more. Yeah. On a per ring basis, there are all these costs that go into it that has a profit margin. Yes, and one of the reasons I decided to do uh, engagement rings as well. Uh, was other than, you know, all of the things I've kind of already talked about, just from a business standpoint, it's fairly common for online engagement rings and all sorts of engagement rings, actually, not just ones that are sold through online only shops, uh, that they're custom made for the person. Right. So I don't have to carry any inventory. I have. It's a, wonderful. Yeah, oh, especially for a high cost product. And it's like great this. for your back. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Even my close personal friends say, oh, God, everybody. It's OK. Yes. And oh my God, you, y'all should you should do a podcast with my fiance. Just oh, like Adam, 15 minutes of y'all telling bad dad jokes it's to wonderful. each other. And I'll just be like, I was, quietly I was so, so thrilled when I met Adam. I cannot express. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, please. Okay, yeah. So um, so I don't have to carry any inventory, which means that the startup costs we're fairly low. So if I am not making rings every, oh, if I'm not making rings every, uh, you know, just, just because I need them stocked, then my only real costs every month, other than the materials for the rings that have already been paid for is advertising. Right. So it's a really great business model, you know, for someone who's kind of starting out without a lot of cash to invest. So I so okay. I do want to. I definitely want to talk about the advertising side, but I yeah. I do want to go back to right. So you design the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you send it to the caster. Yep, and the cast. So I design the ring. I send the computer file to the caster. They then three D print a, a wax model of the file, and then stick that inside of a centrifuge with liquid, usually gold, but platinum or whatever else the metal is. And it spins around super, super fast. So the gold is forced into the mold, melts the wax, and then it comes out as a gold ring. This is exactly what I expected. 100%. (laughs) Step by step there. Exactly that. So that's just for the the ring without, of course, the moissanite inside. Right. It's a raw cast. Right. And then that raw cast gets polished down. And set with a moissanite or a lab diamond, which are the two stones I work with. I mostly sell moissanite, but I do offer lab diamonds as well. Uh, and the the person that I work with to do that is a uh, bench jeweler. I have taken classes in stone setting. I know how to do it, which is very important for designing strong rings and giving people good advice on their rings. You need to know how the engineering of the rings works and what needs to happen to the ring after it leaves the computer file and actually, right. you know, needs to be set. Um, but I, these are people's engagement rings. I don't want to mess around as a beginner, you know, with setting them myself. So I, I work with a great bench jeweler who is kind of a thought partner for me. And when I'm developing new designs, I can bring him the wax molds and he can take a look at them and see if the prongs are sturdy enough. You know, if the band is thick enough that it won't bend, like all sorts of stuff like that. So this is interesting. So there's actually a, another element of growth for you. 
mm-hmm. if that eventually over time you'll trust yourself to be the 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 uh, moissanite setter. I have I I think about this a lot actually, and I am planning on taking more courses in it just because I think it's a good investment in my own knowledge base and expertise, whatever I do. And I do think yeah. it would be nice, even if I think it depends on kind of what direction I want to take the business in as it grows. Mm-hmm. If I want it to just sort of be a small business that like works for my family, you know, and allows me to have the freedom of working for myself and doing something I love, uh, then maybe I will end up just setting them myself once I take more courses and, f- and play around with it more and feel more confident. But if I wanted to try to expand the business to a point where I had, let's say, a whole production team of jewelers. Well, then you don't have the time to do that. Exactly. Then my time is probably better spent advertising the business and working with customers. Cool. So so there you are. So you have the ring now finally set. Yeah. Uh, Wonderful. There it is. The glorious thing. What is the process now of just getting it to the, the, the wonderful couple? Do you mean how does shipping? Yes, all work? that. Do you, do you? I mean, no, no. <laughs> just more of like, okay, I have a ring. I'm, I'm not going to just throw this in an envelope oh, or something like okay, that. Yeah. So, how does shipping work? Okay, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll do that podcast too. <laughs> um. So I. Uh, oh, the look you gave me. Oh man, like, is this what you want on your podcast, Nick? Like, I will do that if that's what you're you're trying to do. I have a very. If for everyone who's listening and can't tell, I have a very expressive face, and I actually didn't know this about myself for a really long time. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so I, mean, oh, I just I'm, that's, that's like me. raising I, I my eyebrows you. or like rolling my eyes. And No, no, no. By the time I met you, I oh, had been okay. told. All right. <laughs> but I have no poker face. This is why I can never, I, I don't think you've ever tried to lie because it's just, it it's wouldn't work. And a lot of that is because my face is so expressive. Um, and I get so easily anxious when I'm trying to lie because I know it's not going to like work out no. well for me and I'm just going to embarrass it's, myself. It's just not. <laughs> But anyway, all right. So yeah, how does shipping work, Lauren? How does shipping work? Okay, so um, I package all of the rings in. I, I I have like these really pretty velvet boxes because you know I I get a lot of frantic messages from people being like, oh, I don't have a ring box. Like, do I need to order a ring box? Like, I'm planning on proposing as soon as I get it, and so I just include a nice ring box. Uh, I include the warranty card because our rings come with uh, a one-year warranty against manufacturing defects because I found that if I screwed up something with the ring, you will find out almost immediately. Oh, yeah, right. Like it's, of course. It, uh, so a one-year is a period where if nothing has gone wrong with the ring in a year, then it was made properly. Right. And if something happens after that, it's probably because you did something to it. There and you go. I'll still fix it, but not for free. Yeah. And, uh, and have you actually encountered problems so far when they've sent it back? Uh, well, yes, to be honest, uh, because I believe in being transparent, I have had to repair a couple of rings that I have sent out. Um, most of the rings, so I've had to repair three rings. I mean, that's, that's Uh, such a small amount. And the fact that like, you've been through this, you've done it and you've sent it back is, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've had to repair three. One of them was my fault. I designed the prongs, uh, to be too small. And that was a learning experience for me. And, you know, they loosened. And so I was extremely apologetic. And I told them I just wanted to cast them an entirely new ring instead of trying to retip, basically just take off the prongs and redo right. them because it was my mistake and I wanted them to get a really solid ring. So. Okay. So there's a mistake that won't be repeated. Yes. All right. Number two. Number two was um, I apologize if you're listening. I don't mean to put you on blast. Uh, 
So this kind of happens a lot to all jewelers that I've spoken to. You get a ring back and they're like, well, I don't know what happened to it, but a stone fell out. And you look at it and like the bottom is flat or something like that. And you're like, I'll fix it for you. And I'm not going to ask too many questions about this. But just so you know, there was definitely some kind of impact that happened to the ring. Right. You know, if the bottom is flattened out, it means the ring got hit pretty hard. Right. Right. And that impact can destabilize stones that are set into the band sure. and eventually cause one of them to fall out, which is what happened. Um, that's mostly just a gentle, like, hey, like you need to be a little more careful with this kind of thing. Like, I'm not, I, I don't try to interrogate people too closely yeah, about of course. what happened I mean, to the rings, but. I mean, as you should, honestly, like customer service is something that we haven't really hit on. This is kind of what we're doing now. Yes, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's a major thing. I am, I'm very much in the uh, the realm of you know, there are a lot of people that have companies and then they go, no, like once we sold it, like whatever, it we're done. No, anyone that asks for a refund of like Pitchless Plus, even if they had it for a month, that there's like anything genuinely. Like, oh, yeah, of course. Like it's not yeah. that's not worth it to me, you know, Absolutely and like not. and I, I know that you're the same way. Like, oh, OK, there's the thing like fine no questions like don't worry we'll take care of yeah. you that kind of thing absolutely and that that's a very important thing i think especially when it comes to a wedding ring absolutely it goes into the being easy to do business with right and i also believe that first of all we, you know i i believe when you make mistakes you need to stand in front of them and so if i've made a mistake with your ring i will tell you right <laughs> um and i'll fix it and if you've made a mistake with your ring, if it's still inside the warranty period, and I mean, if you run over it with a car, like there's not so much that I <laughs> but can I wanna do. But I want to do that. And but... it's within the, it's, <laughs> ah, but I've, I've had this dream forever <laughs> that I have this ring. lovely gold casted ring, moist and I have sparkles like the glitter of childhood. I just want to run it over the... with my car. I don't know. Glitter of childhood. <laughs> that's where my mind was right now. It's just, you just got to roll with it sometimes. I mean, Lauren. I earlier in the podcast suggested that you may want to give an heirloom engagement ring to your uncle. Oh, yeah, that's point, right. And that so. made you curse that I need to censor out, right? I'll, I'll figure that one out. But okay. And then there was the third one, of course. The, oh, the third ring. So what happened with this third ring is um, I had a client who had, she just, man, I should hire her. She has an amazing eye. And uh, her ring, this was my my mistake was I sent her ring to her the wrong size. I don't honestly still know how I did that because I created the ring custom for her, but I sized it incorrectly. And so when she got it, I and I have now added to my quality control process. Right. That I check all the rings for size before I send them out. Of course. Uh, But, you know, this was earlier on. I didn't do that yet. So she got the ring the wrong size. I thought... To myself, okay, if I had just gotten engaged, I wouldn't want to be separated from my ring for very long. Sure, yeah. And she lived, she lives quite far away from New York where we are. And so it was going to take quite some time to ship the ring back to me, have me fix it, ship it back to her. So I found a jeweler in her area and told her I could do it either way. If she, you know, I, I'm happy to, of course, I'll pay for the shipping, you know, and everything. Right. Or if she only wants to be separated from, her ring, you know, so she can wear it more for like a day or two. Then she could take it to X place that I saw had good online reviews. And uh, I spoke to the woman ahead of time and, you know, she was she was very nice and she kind of, you know, understanding. And I, I asked her, would it be possible for me to direct these clients to you? You resize the ring and I'll pay you for it uh, so that they don't have to pay anything up front and get right, reimbursed right. by me. It seemed like the best client experience I could provide. Yeah. And so they, so they they did that. She was very happy to have that option. But when she had the ring resized, it fit her, but it was no longer perfectly symmetrical inside. Uh, 
just the way that the jeweler had remade the ring, she didn't then like kind of shape it back out. Okay. Um, so to be totally honest with you, I don't think if it were my ring, I would have noticed. <laughs> and I do this for a living, but yeah, she right. did notice. And you know what? Like when I got the ring back, I was like, it's subtle, but it's there. So yeah, fair. Exactly. All right. Cause then after that, she was like, I just want you to fix it. Right. And when I was then fixing it for her, I, uh, she also sent back, she told me, okay, so I noticed this tiny, tiny little like pock mark on the side of the band. I also had not noticed this when I was sending Amazing. it to yeah, her. Right, right. It was this tiny, and it can happen during casting. It, it's, it's so small. I thought it was, when I saw it, I did find it, but it took me a little bit of looking at the ring. It's like a tiny little gold bubble. You can get them during casting. Mm-hmm. Usually they get polished out uh, just during the regular process of polishing the ring, but this one hadn't. And I told her I was a little bit concerned about polishing it out. This was a, another lesson learned um, because I was worried that polishing down that wall would weaken the diamonds in the band enough to have one fall out. Right. Uh, because the walls are p- part of what's holding the diamond in. Mm-hmm. And so I went ahead and polished it the way she wanted it. And then one of the diamonds ended up falling out when she got it back. I should have just told her no. Um, that's something that. I am learning is really important to do with this kind of thing is to tell your clients that's not a good idea. I'm sorry. Uh, I, again, learning experience. So when she got her ring back, I I don't, I think that was, that was my fault. I was trying to respond to her request, but in a way that would have been better if I had just listened to my instinct and left it alone. This is, these are three great stories of like, (laughs) no, no, it's so important to me. I mean, first of all, I think it means anyone that is actually, you know, interested in hair and guy is going to go, okay, cool. This person is very thoughtful with (laughs) this and has gone through these processes and understood these mistakes or whatever and has, has changed it since. But I mean, when you're running this, we are all going to make mistakes with I've made many mistakes Mm -hmm. over the last seven years doing this um, that has made me, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, I can make every mistake once I say to myself. Yeah. You're allowed to make every mistake once. I mean, not every, but you understand. Uh, And uh, you've gone through this process. I mean, I think anyone listening is like, oh, great. That means that that Mm -hmm. won't happen to me now. Well, those particular mistakes won't. I cannot guarantee you. (laughs) There will be no mistake. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. And, you know, fine jewelry is always delicate. Like, it can always get damaged, even if it's made perfectly. But, you know, it's a new business. And I really appreciate that every client who has had an issue with their ring. And I I like to think that part of the reason why they've been so understanding is because again, it goes back to being enthusiastic and like caring about the business. They know that I see it as a problem and that I take it seriously to fix it, which is I think what people are looking for. Exactly. Yeah. So, but that they've certainly could have been a lot harder on me than they were. And so thank you to those three customers. If they happen to be listening (laughs) for being chill and like letting me remake their rings or fix their rings. And now I think they're all very, very happy with what they have. Awesome. Uh, and uh, lastly, so so here we are shipping. Explain shipping to me. Thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate that. I also ship carbon neutral and I only ship with UPS because they're a union shop and we support unions at Harry. There we go. Um, and uh, I will say also, are you offering like a variety of wedding boxes or like wedding ring boxes, like customized or whatever? I'm not just because uh, it doesn't make any financial sense for right. me to do so because I would have to then keep a bunch of boxes on hand. Oh, that's an interesting point. And yeah. so I would have to plan for a much larger volume for that to make sense than I currently have. Right. Like if let's say three years down the line, I am moving 50 rings a month 
Sure. Then maybe it would make sense for me to have, and I love offering those sorts of personalized touches. Yep. Um, but again, this is one of those times where a great idea, not something that necessarily makes sense for me to do right now. Absolutely. Not to mention the profit margin. I would imagine saying like, okay, fifty bucks for your like wonderful wedding box compared yeah. to a fifteen hundred two thousand dollar ring. That shouldn't be the focus. That's not where you're going to make your money. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That makes exactly. a lot of sense. Now, um, okay, so. We, we talked about the process of, okay, market share all the way through. I have a product. I'm ready to sell it. Mm-hmm. Now I need people to know about it and to sell it. And this is, uh, ooh, this is, this is a weird topic because mm-hmm. social media is a thing. And that's mm-hmm. where this lies. I imagine I, 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 there's also, you know, Google searches, everything yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, talk to us about what you do there. Absolutely. So I do uh, do paid advertising with Google. I actually took the first half of Google's like uh, online marketing course and learning all about SEO right. and quickly discovered that a little shop as small as mine in a field as crowded as mine is not going to win on SEO alone without a professional being Absolutely, involved. Yeah. So I kind of just scrapped that idea and have let all that information leave my brain and I pay Google to do it for me. Uh, that has been pretty successful. Most of my customers come either from that I can tell because a lot of people come to the site having had their partner show them. And so they aren't actually the customer I acquired. They're, right. they're the person who's paying, right. which is, I think, a unique thing about engagement rings that. Oh, uh, that's interesting. You have. OK, yeah, I yeah. get it. Yeah. So uh, the. Other place where I get the most customers from historically has been Instagram. I do paid Instagram ads. And when I first started, I, I just went through a process of basically, bo- they call it boosting posts, uh, boosting pretty much every post for the same amount of money, the same amount of time, and kind of trying to figure out what people liked, mm-hmm. like what, what right. I was getting the most response with and what kind of photos really seemed to be resonating with people and which ones didn't. And after I figured that out, I have now kind of just settled on a few ads that are always running. Like I'm not always changing them because I found that people are more likely to like something that already has a bunch of likes. So it's better for me to just kind of keep investing in the same posts rather than uh, that makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that there's absolutely a social proof attached yeah, to it. And totally. social proof is a huge thing uh, just in anything. Like if you have a Patreon page, more people are likely to sub to it if they see more yeah. than eight patrons or whatever. Oh, that's also been really true for my Instagram followers. I found that the more followers I have, the easier it is to get additional followers. Right. You know, it, because oh, it just, people it's already, so weird. You have, you know, you're an engagement company with 500 followers on Instagram. A lot of people are going to be like, but well, they don't know what they're doing. I I'm deserve like 500 Twitter followers. I hope you understand this. That That's how many I deserve. Maybe. That's even stretching it. Oh, Nick. No, no. I'm serious. I don't. I, I post stupid things about beards. Okay. Uh, it's fine. Nick's looking for compliments right now. I'm not going to give him <laughs> You should one. not. I don't want it. <laughs> I, I'm genuine when I say this. Okay. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a weird world of, yeah, just, okay, because I had X amount and I have more and then just kind of escalates like that. Um, and uh, no, I think it's a really excellent point that you made about um, the the sponsored posts themselves. You need to have one that has likes, and yeah, that that's actually really interesting. Think, no, I needs to be a new one, but you're not trying to hit the same user again necessarily. I'm well. There is a decent amount of retargeting because mm. the sales funnel for engagement rings, meaning the 
the way a customer on their kind of journey goes from first seeing the ring to purchasing it is much longer and more complex than if it were like a candle. Oh, that's or a, a really good point. So you want to see it a second time, like, oh right, I was thinking Retargeting about that. Retargeting is oh, super important. Yeah. You need a lot of like touches to the same person before usually. Can we call before... them pokes? <laughs> hey. No, hey. <laughs> we're not going to call them pokes. <laughs> Oh, fine. <laughs> fine, whatever. Remember when poking was a thing? I just remembered that, that oh was a Facebook God, thing. What yes. was that? That is the that is such a weird feature. I po- oh, okay. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but uh, but right. So so you're focusing mostly on Instagram. You have a TikTok as well. Oh, actually, TikTok has for the longest time. I was trying to cheat, honestly treat TikTok like Instagram. I was posting videos of beautiful rings and stuff like that, and I wasn't getting it anywhere. And then I posted a video of myself, which I'm not a social media person, actually really was kind of uncomfortable with it. But I had also heard from so many people that TikTok is the way of the future. It's like the place to be. We may already be getting out of the golden age. I shouldn't say way of the future. We may already be leaving the golden age of TikTok, but like we're in it now. And like if you don't capitalize on it as a brand now, it's you're going to have diminishing rewards. The, the bell the curve of TikTok. Exactly. We're at the peak at the moment. Yeah. So I just stuck with it and I was like, okay, fine. If people on TikTok want authenticity, I'm in my PJs right now. I haven't washed my hair in a couple of days and I'm just going to go on a little rant about a current engagement ring trend, which is really thin bands that are, I think are really flimsy and aren't going to hold up. And other jewelers agree. And so I'm going to just advise people to please get a thicker band because the really tre- this really trendy band style isn't going to hold up. And it now has over 700,000 views. And that That's amazing. Completely changed TikTok for me. Right. Now you understand, oh, there's an opportunity here. Absolutely. And I have discovered that the niche I have on TikTok isn't the same as what I do on Instagram. Instagram and TikTok have really different purposes for my business. So Instagram, I think, like I said at the t- beginning of the episode, is more like a portfolio. Yeah. It's where I show these beautiful styled photos that my photographer takes of the rings that are gorgeous and aspirational. And people can scroll through my Instagram and see what my work looks like, see what the collection looks like. And TikTok is really different. TikTok is me as a person. Right. And I'm representing my brand and I'm advertising by not advertising. I'm advertising by giving people free advice and free information and honest information. And I think it's a really I've also noticed, though, that my Instagram followers are going up way faster than they did before. I Because you have TikTok. TikTok because people are now, you know, being directed to my Instagram from my TikTok. So they're seeing me on TikTok. I'm not trying to sell them anything. I'm just giving people who ask me questions honest advice. And I mean honest advice, including things like, no, you should not use that stone. Or, yes, I do think your ring is weak. Here's how you could maybe make it a little stronger. Right. And also, please buy jewelry insurance. <laughs> you know, I And also buy hair and guy. <laughs> well, these are people who often already have rings. Right, sure. You know, yeah. I, um, and yes, I do give people advice who are shopping for a ring. And I hope they end up buying from me, but I'm not really thinking about sales on TikTok. Uh, It's about the brand though. You are the brand at the end of the day. Absolutely. And so that brand to me is honest, unfiltered, no BS. 
seriously, nice. I'm not. I'm not. I understand. I'm not going to censor that out. Uh, but you know, I. Um, well, you better not. I'm not. No, that no. was the censored version, dude. <laughs> well, you gave me a look like I can say this, right? I. Uh, but no, it's if there's anything that is you, it's like yes, this is. There is no BS about you. Yeah. No. You know, so I. Uh, it makes perfect sense to me that TikTok would be a wonderful. Yeah, you were just giving knowledge like this free, and like yeah, this yeah. is who you are. There's no. It's very clear to people who you are. Yeah, and. People, it's again, that authenticity, you know, and it makes people want to engage like people want to then share their own experiences with, uh, you know, kind of similar rings or their engagement shopping experience. Like I, I posted a TikTok about, uh, you know, it was really short. It was basically just, you know, there's a current sound that's like, I think to myself, what the f- I can't. No, nope, you but, can't say that. Okay, uh, you uh, really. You looked at me like, can I say this? And I said, obviously, no. In my eyes. Uh, all right. Well, that's all going to get edited <laughs> out. So anyway, I posted this TikTok video that was uh, just sharing my frustration, I guess, or the confusion I had about this experience where I spoke to a woman who wanted to be involved in picking out her engagement ring, and her boyfriend said no. I want to do it myself. It's important to me to pick out your ring myself without your input. Yes. I'm uh, giving shifty eyes. Uh, men, don't do this. Find out if your partner wants to be involved in picking the ring. Most women actually want to have input. They may right. not want to go ring shopping with you, but they want to pick out yellow gold or white gold. They want to pick out a stone shape. They want to pick out a style. So anyway, so this communicate guy, with your partner yes, Just in, in general, general that's a wonderful thing. Just communicate, be on great the same ad, page. Great advice. So <laughs> this guy could have gotten an easy W by letting his girlfriend pick out her ring. Right. He decided almost hopefully potential fiance. Yes. Yeah. Well, they did get engaged, but she hates the ring. And so I was kind of expressing my confusion and also just being like, please honor your partner's wishes with right. this. Like if they want to be involved, don't ignore them. And, Posts like that get a ton of engagement, which gets a ton of views because there are a lot of people who are sharing their own experiences. A lot of women being like, yes, I was involved in picking out my own ring and I'm so glad. Some women being like, I really wish my partner had consulted me and he didn't. And like, I'm I, I'm mad at myself, but I really hate my ring and I don't right. know what to do. You know, And there were, of course, a couple of trolls being like, you know, you're being spoiled for wanting to pick out your ring or one guy, what does that mean? One guy said, y'all are so entitled now. What is th- about? Well, that's about uppity women wanting to I be treated like people. I know? don't, I don't, I'm sorry you have to deal with that, but that's, um, you know. I mean, it's kind of part of my job is yeah, creating a safe space for people to share their experience. When you're on the internet, you know, yeah. people hide behind anonymity. And I also have like ugh. zero problem dunking on a misogynistic man on the internet. <laughs> like, so it was fine. This is very true. <laughs> if you know Lauren at all, this is very much uh, Lauren's MO. Yeah. I, but I, Lauren, this yep. has been 75 minutes before the edits. I don't know Holy how long. Sh- okay, you're making me do another edit. This is great. This is cool. There's, All right, also, there's so much stuff you're going to have to edit out. Anyway. I know. I know. I know. We Lauren. should stop talking. Is there anything else you wanted to cover? I mean, I what I wanted to cover was to remind everybody uh, what the company is. If you're in the, you know, if you're shopping for this, you should absolutely consult with Lauren. Yes. Um, and just give everybody the, uh, the quick 30 seconds. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are in the market for an engagement ring, no matter what your budget is or what you're interested in, like, I am here to help you, uh, whether you end up eventually buying from me or not. 
so please don't be a stranger. You can get in touch with me on my website through chat or the contact form at www.hera-gaia.com. No one says www anymore. Should I do that over? No, no. It's okay. It's fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Or I'm guys. We all know that I'm like an 80 year old man trapped in a 33 year old woman's body. So oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I would. I would never do that to one of my guests. This is this is this is Lauren to me. Um, we do this to each other. I. Uh, but yeah, it's. Should we edit that out? No, we're, it's fine. Um, but yeah, go to Google Hair and Gaia. Yeah. And you'll find Lauren. Go. Find her. Find her on TikTok. Find her on Instagram as well. Um, are you on Twitter? No, I'm not on Twitter. It it didn't really seem to have a good like fit for my that make yeah. I would imagine audience. Instagram to TikTok is absolutely where to go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely definitely consult it. Wonderful moistenite rings, very affordable. Uh, definitely mention Pitcher List if you're interested. Oh yes, if 100% you don't do that, mention Pitcher List, you won't get a discount. Yeah, so oh you look at that. that. Yeah, discount right. So yeah. do that, and you know it's Lauren. Like this wonderful person. Yeah, we yeah. can talk about Star Wars. She's here to help you. We can talk about Star Wars too, as long as it's not how good The Last Jedi is. By the way, this is good. I, I hope you're enjoying this. Oh, this it's is, so fun. This yeah. is so much fun. I love it? talking about myself. Thank right? you, Nick Pollock, for Absolutely. giving me the opportunity to talk about myself for one full hour. <laughs> um, all right. So that's going to do for this episode of Nick Pollock and Friends. And I am Nick Pollock. And that was my friend, Lauren Bach.